Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today's message is a part of our series, Home for the Holidays. For some of us, Christmas time can trigger an array of feelings like nostalgia, joy, and togetherness. And for the rest of us, the holidays can be summed up in two words, dysfunctional family. Whatever side you're on, this series will show you how to become a better husband, wife, mother, or father, and how to build on these relationships by putting Christ in the center. I um, want to talk to you tonight, um, just obviously about Christmas, and just celebrate uh, the birth of our Savior, Jesus, um, who... who uh, gave his life for us that we could truly have life. And um, so we're going to be talking about that. Um, I know that for a lot of us, uh, we, we hear a lot of things about Christmas. We've heard a lot of things about Christmas. And a lot of times the things we've heard and, and what's actually um, true can kind of get blurred. We have a lot of talk, you know, around Christmas time about the reason for the season. And, and a lot of times I think that uh, there, there are um, still misconceptions that we have about Christmas. And so I was thinking about that this week. And, and I began to think about a movie that I thought, man, would help us out. And how many of you have seen the movie Men in Black? You've seen the movie Men in Black, right? And, uh, and, and so most of you have. And there was a thing in that movie that was called a neuralizer. You remember that? And I thought, if we only had a neuralizer that could erase all the stuff we know about Christmas... That maybe isn't true. And then we could start with a fresh slate, right? And and just start out with a fresh slate and be able to reprogram our minds. Um, I thought that would be awesome. And so I did a little research and I found out that actually there is a neuralizer. In fact, I found out that Men in Black was based on a true story. I don't know if you knew that or not, that Men in Black was actually based on a true story. There are aliens that that exist. And like, for instance, um, Johnny Depp, alien, right? Definitely an alien. Um, Tom Cruise, beyond a shadow of a doubt, alien. Um, Lady Gaga, I mean, I know that one's no surprise, right? Lady Gaga would be an alien. And then we actually confirmed this week, actually, this week, that Hannah Montana is the first, or Miley Ray Cyrus, whichever one you prefer, um, is the first human who actually morphed into an alien. And so we did find out that those, those things actually do exist. Obviously, I'm kidding about aliens, kids. There's no such thing as aliens. All right. Um, but, but we did find out that the neuralizer actually works. And so I was thinking about a lot of our church traditions and a lot of the things maybe that we bring into Christmas that isn't necessarily true and things that Christmas has become about that aren't true. And I wanted tonight to be able to paint a, a more accurate picture of why we should celebrate Christmas. And so I did a little research, found out the neuralizer is true. Actually invited Will Smith here tonight. Um, he said no. So he wouldn't come and do the neuralizer for us. But what we did get him to do is a video for us. And so what I'd like to do right now, if you would focus your attention on the screen, Will Smith is going to actually neuralize us so that we can then begin to go into what Christmas actually is about. So if I could direct your attention at the screen right above my head, everybody look, and there should be a video that's coming on. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, if you will, look right here. All right, yeah, so now you've forgotten everything, right? So now we can start clear. And so what I'd like for you to do is turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 8, and we're going to go through verse 20 tonight. And I want to just talk to you some about the accurate, a clear picture of why we celebrate Christmas. I want us to leave here tonight as we go and we get with our families, as we go and celebrate the birth of Jesus together. I want us to know, like, what this is really about, why this is so important, because I would be willing to bet that many 
any of us um, maybe don't celebrate Christmas the way we should because of maybe some things that we just don't realize took place on Christmas. So let's pray, and then I'm going to begin reading in Luke chapter 2, and then we're going to get into this message. Lord, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to be here together, Lord. We thank you, God, for Jesus. And the reason that we're here tonight, Lord, is to celebrate that you, God, came to us. Um, God, when we were undeserving, when we um, were far from you, Lord, you came to us and you um, made a way for us to come to you, Lord. We love you and we praise you and we thank you for being so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. When Luke chapter 2 in verse 8 is when um, God reveals who Jesus is to the angels or to the shepherds through an angel and then these angels begin to see this heavenly host of, of angels who are beginning to sing the praises of Jesus and directing them to Jesus. And so I want to read to you verse 8 um, and then talk about that verse and we're going to go through till verse 20. It says in verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. I want to stop right there for just a second because there's something really important here that we don't want to miss. And that is who, um, who's in this story. And it's, it's these shepherds. And in our culture, we don't think a lot about shepherds. We don't, I mean, we don't typically ride down Highway 80 and see shepherds in the fields, right? But this was common in their day. This was common for them to, to have shepherds around who were watching the sheep, who were protecting the flocks, who were leading them to green pasture, taking care of the sheep. And, and these shepherds, though, they, they were living outside of the community of people. They lived out in the fields. They were literally separated from people most of the time. And they weren't looked at as being um, very high in, in power. They weren't looked at as being very high in prestige. They were actually looked down upon by the Orthodox Jews, by the religious people of their day. So they weren't very well thought of. And so you see in this that the, these, these are people who were very poor. They, they weren't thought highly of. They were, they were sort of the outcast of society, um, not, not, not thought of in a high manner at all. And so you see these angels come and they begin to appear to the these men, um, a lot of the scholars believe that these men were actually watching over the sheep who would be ultimately sacrificed in the temple um, for the sin of the people of Israel. And that's interesting because these people, these shepherds, weren't able to go in and worship because they were deemed unclean by the Jewish people. And so they were seen as religiously unclean. We would have thought of them more like um, being sinful in the sense that they couldn't come into the presence of God. And so these were the people that these angels began to reveal the presence of God and the presence of Jesus having come to save them, to be the Messiah, the anointed one who would save them and ultimately be the lamb, the sheep, the lamb that would take away the sin of the world. The world. And so we see that the shepherds, this unclean state that they were living in, this unclean um, status that they had in their culture, the fact that they were considered to be far from God, unaccepted in their religious um, system of their day, we begin to see that this is the backdrop for the good news of Christ. That God, the first people that God reveals Jesus to, other than his family, were shepherds of lowly status, who weren't even considered to be worthy of coming into the temple to worship. And yet God chooses to reveal his son to them first. In verse 9, you see, it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. 
So an angel appears, the glory of God, basically the presence of God is made known to them in some way and it terrifies them. It's funny because we think about angels a lot of times as these um, lovable little cuddly things that they, they float around on clouds, right? And they just kind of hover around and we think about, um, you know, like, like angel soft toilet paper, but angels don't make toilet paper, right? They, they don't. That's not what they do. They, they are messengers of God. And everywhere we see them show up in scripture, people are horrified. People are terrified because they aren't like some cute, cuddly, like babies with wings and hard hats, right? They're, 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 they're like awesome in power and they're, they're incredibly um, magnificent to look at. And so these shepherds are fearful. Why were they fearful? One, because of the appearance of the angels, but also because of the presence of God. These shepherds knew that they did not deserve to be in the presence of God. They knew that they didn't belong there. They had been told all of their life that you don't belong in the presence of God. You're not able, you're not worthy of coming into the presence of God. I'm sure many of you can probably relate to a situation like that where you just felt like you didn't belong somewhere. I mean, you probably felt that way for Pastor Appreciation Day and or month or whatever it is, um, and my birthday, some of our staff and some of our board gave Susan and my family and I a trip to Atlanta, to an Atlanta Falcons game, and we stayed at the Omni Hotel. Anybody ever stayed at the Omni Hotel? He, yeah, you got more money than I do because the only way we would stay at the Omni Hotel was because they gave it to us, right? And so we get there, and as soon as we pulled up, I already was like, I don't think we belong here, Right? And so we pull up and we go, we, 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 the first sign I see is it says valet parking, $30. I'm like, I can park my own car, you know? And I was like, hey, where, where's the ordinary parking? And they're like, no, nah, really, this is about it. This is kind of your only option. This is your only choice. And I was like, okay, y'all take credit cards. I mean, I didn't know what I was going to do. And so we go in and it's like, we get out and, and like my family, we, we, I could just tell we didn't like belong at, the, at this hotel. And so we get out and we got like our luggage that's all torn and like raggedy, you know, we got some of our stuff in like plastic grocery sacks, you know what I'm saying? And we're just walking in, Reed's got his finger up his nose and, and, and they're just looking at us and it's almost like Let's rush them through, get them to their room because they don't belong. We, we go up and we get into our room and before they can even close the door and the guy's trying to carry our luggage. I'm like, if I got, if he carries my luggage, I got to give him money. I'm like, I'll carry my own luggage. Right. And I don't know who to tip. So I'm just throwing dollar bills everywhere. I had no idea who did. I'm like, Susan, do I tip them? She's like, I don't know. I'm like here, you know, I didn't know what to do. And so we were completely out of place and we get up there in the room before they can even close the door. I got three boys that are bouncing from bed to bed throwing balls in the room and no sooner than they close the door then they throw a ball and it's like ping 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 all over the walls and I'm like we're gonna get thrown out of here and we haven't even been here for 10 minutes but nobody looked at us when we walked into that place and, and went they come here all the time you know what I mean it's like and nobody had to convince me like that this was a little bit above like my normal right this is a little above what I normally would do. And, and if you take that feeling, if you've ever had that feeling where you were somewhere that you felt like, I don't belong, um, and you multiplied that by like 10 to the thousandth, you might begin to understand a little bit of what these shepherds were feeling. They felt completely out of place because they knew we 
don't belong in the presence of God. Some of you tonight may feel that way. Some of you may feel that way when you walk into church. You may feel like, man, I know the life I've lived. I know the things I've done. I know where I've been. And and I don't feel like I belong here. I don't feel like I'm worthy of walking into a service um, where, where they're worshiping God. I don't feel like I'm worthy of being in the presence of God. But this is why this is such good news is that when God came, he revealed himself to these shepherds who were considered outcasts, who were considered nobodies, who were considered sinful, who were considered unclean by their entire religious system. And yet God chooses to reveal himself first to these shepherds. That's awesome. That's good news for us. And it's in that that we begin to see the good news of Christ, that he came not to royalty, not to those who seem to have it all together, but he came to people who were just like you and I, who've made mistakes, who aren't perfect, who if we were to stand before a holy God who is perfect in every way, we would realize that we aren't. And this is who Jesus was revealed to first by God. And so we begin to see this. We begin to understand that, man, Jesus came not to the elite, not to the haves, not to those who seem to have it all together, but to those who don't. What a great thing to know that our God is that type of God who comes to those who just don't have it all together. Verse 10 says this. It says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I bring you what? Good news, right? Of great joy. So many times as Christians, I think we forget that this is good news. I think that people who are outside the church many times don't see the fact that we even believe it's good news because typically what people know the church for and what people know Christians for, if you look statistically at studies that have been done, is that Christians are just angry, right? They're just mad, right? And they will confess Jesus, but then you talk to them and they're like, I love Jesus. You know what I mean? It's just, they're just mad. But this is good news. And many times, folks, listen, many times it's the good news that is coming to people who oftentimes the church has looked down their nose at. Many of us may feel like the shepherds when we walk into church because we've been told by church people that we don't belong. But I thank God that when other people may have given up on me, he didn't. I thank God that he is a God who comes to the lowly, not to the elite, not to that one who can pretend they have it all together, knowing that we, none of us do, but to the one who's willing to admit, I need him. And so this good news came to the people. But what was the good news? Verse 11 says this. It says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So what was the good news that came? A savior has been born, right? That's what we celebrate tonight is that a savior has been born. But here's the thing. It's not good news if you don't realize you need a savior, is it? Like who cares 
If I don't need to be rescued, then who cares? And so here's the thing. There's some people in here tonight that you know you need to be rescued. You know you need a savior. Some of us like me, you know where you would be without Jesus in your life. You know where you would be without the forgiveness of Christ and without the life change that comes when you receive him and the Holy Spirit into your heart and into your life and it begins to change you. There are people here today who maybe you've never received Christ, but the thing you realize today is that I need a savior because my life is not working the way it is. My life's not going the direction it needs to go. I know I need to turn to God. I need to turn to him. And so many of us in here tonight know that we need a savior, but there's others in here tonight that that aren't like the shepherds that aren't like that first group of people that said that don't realize how unclean they are. And this is the more difficult place to be in. It's the people who think, well, I'm okay. I'm not, I'm not that bad of a person. And certainly I'm better than, you know, Joe down the street, right? Or I'm better than my neighbor. And so we don't realize just how badly we need a savior. We can't even really celebrate the true meaning of Christmas because we don't realize that we need a savior in our life. It would be like this. It would be like me standing up here today and looking out at you and saying, guess what guys, it's going to be okay. I have a life preserver that I'll throw you. You'd be like a life preserver. We're in an auditorium. I don't need a life preserver. And if I were to throw you a life preserver right now, it would mean absolutely nothing, right? Because you don't need a life preserver, right? Right now you might need a glass of water. You might need a cup of coffee. I don't know what you might need, but you don't need a life preserver. You're not drowning. But if you take that and you just fell out of a boat in the ocean and then I threw you a life preserver and you're in the middle of the ocean, the reality of it is you'd appreciate the life preserver, right? Because you realize without something to save me, I'm going to die. And you understand this fact that I can swim as hard as I want to swim as far as I can go, but I'm never going to reach the shore. I'm never going to be able to save myself. And that's the revelation that many people need to have, that it's not about social Christianity. It's not about um, just church attendance. It's about a relationship with a savior who came into our lives to save us from our sin and, and has now brought us to life. It's about coming to a place of recognizing I have need of being saved. And this is where I can tell you many people live day after day after day after day is as if you are swimming in a sea of sin and in a sea of regret and in a sea of condemnation because you simply won't say, Jesus, I need you. I need a savior. And we haven't come to this place of recognizing this fact that I need a savior in my life. I need to know him. I can tell you this, there's many, many years, 24 years of my own life that I lived trying to swim and navigate the waves and navigate my way back to shore and navigate everything so that I could somehow stand on my own two feet. I tried everything I could to, to try to make that happen. And you know, the, the harder I swam, the, the, the more I tried. The only thing it did was wear me out. I would try to be successful in business. I would try to be successful as a, as a husband. And I was failing miserably at all of those. Why? Because everything in my life was out of order. And when I got to the point of sinking, when I got to the point of everything coming apart, I finally reached out to the hand that had already reached out to me. And Jesus changed my life. 
I watch a lot of History Channel and there's always things on there trying to disprove the Bible, right? History and discovery and all this stuff. And if you study the things that they say, you find holes in them anyway. But here's the reality of it. It doesn't matter a lot of what they say because I know what Jesus has done. The reality of God is what's happened in my life and in many of the lives that are around you today because they simply came to a point where they realized, I need a savior. So you have to know you need a savior before you're able to celebrate salvation and the true meaning of Christmas. But tonight we celebrate the fact that Jesus has come to us. That God did fulfill all of the Old Testament prophecy that spoke of the Savior he was to come, even down to his birth, down to how he would die and what he would do. And tonight we're face to face with this question, do I have a Savior? Maybe the first question many people need to answer is, have I recognized a need for a Savior? Because this is what I can promise you. Everything you prop your life up on other than Christ will fail. And when it fails, you will fall. The great news about Jesus is not that we never fall, but it's just when we do, he's there to catch us. Now I'd ask you, is he your savior? Can you celebrate the fact of who Jesus is tonight because you know him, because He has become a reality in your life. Verse 12 says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And it says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel or the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. I think it's absolutely incredible that these men who were not allowed to join the traditional worship service got to see one of the most incredible worship services that have ever taken place on the face of the earth. They couldn't go into the temple, but God just brought the heavenly temple to them. Isn't that pretty awesome that God is like, these guys are seen as unclean, but you know what? I can take care of that. In fact, my son whom I'm sending is going to take care of the fact that they are ceremonially unclean according to the Jews, that they are sinful. And this is what I want them to see. I want them to know that good news has come, that I'm, I've come to the lowly. I've come to the down and out. I've come to those who need a savior. And verse 14 says that the great news is that there's peace between God and man. Then in verse 15, this is kind of like one of those duh statements that we see in scripture. It says that when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Like if you saw all that, I think I would go ahead and go check it out, right? And so they go and they go check it out. And then it says, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told or what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Here's the cool thing about it. These shepherds who were so horrified by the presence of God, by the the, the coming of these angels, 
They realized that they had brought good news. They wanted to see this child that was born, this savior that had been born. And so they went and they began, when they saw that everything was just as they had told, they came back and they began to tell everybody about what was going on, about what had happened, about what God had done. And here's the cool thing about it is when they get there, they begin, it says that they left and they were praising and glorifying God for all of those things. It's interesting to me that when people heard the story that they told, they were amazed. They were astonished. It was like, that's a cool story. That's awesome. Great. Cool. Right? But only those who met Jesus were the ones who worshiped. So these shepherds come and they begin to worship God. Their entire life is changed because they met Jesus. When I look in scripture, that's the way I see it happening. Is that when people come in contact with Jesus, when they meet Christ, their lives change. Something different takes place. God literally, as scripture tells, gives us a new heart and we begin to live a new life. And the good news of Christmas is that God came to those who were separated from him. It's easy for us to look around and compare ourselves to other people. It's easy for us to look around and and think in our culture that, well, we're not that bad, but we're comparing ourselves to the wrong standard. We have to look at God. And here's the thing is when we realize the gap between us and God, it could easily bring condemnation. But when we realize that Jesus bridged that gap between us and God, rather than condemnation, it begins to bring worship, which is exactly What happens in this story? These shepherds who knew I don't belong in the presence of God, but they realized that God had sent a savior and they came away worshiping and glorifying God with everything in them because they had met the Christ, the King, the anointed one, the savior who was to come. And here's the thing, you could say, well, how do I meet him? I I mean, I can't go where where, you know, he is. I can't go to the manger. He's not there, right? The other night, Reed came home, my, my three-year-old, and he had a busted nose, and it, it, you could tell it had been bleeding. And, um, and I said, Reed, what happened to your nose? And he said, me fell into Jesus. It's like, I said, Susan, what? Me fell into Jesus. You're going to have to help me with that because I don't know. And, and, and she said, uh, well, what was happening is they were playing in a manger scene, like a set, and he fell and tripped and fell into like the cradle, right, where Jesus was. And so he said, I fell into Jesus. And, and, and it was funny, but I began to think about that. You know what? That's probably what a lot of us need to do here tonight. That's what a lot of us need to celebrate at Christmas is the fact that we can fall into the arms of a Savior. He loves us. A savior who came for us, a savior that even though we may have run as far and fast away from him as we possibly can, he still pursued us. And for some of us tonight may be the night that we finally turn around and say, yes, I need him. And for each person here tonight, you, you know that, you know where you're at with God, you know where um, your relationship with him is. Do you have one? If you recognize your need for a savior, one to bridge that gap between us and him, the one who shows us how he loves those who are far from him, have you come to that place? 
this is what I want to do. I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing one more song before we go tonight. But tonight, if you don't know him, this is what I would ask. Is that while I'm praying, I just want you to lift up your hand. If you say tonight, I don't have a relationship with Christ. I want to know him, but I don't. And tonight I realize that I need a savior. I need to accept Christ into my life. I need to trust him to be that bridge between me and God. And finally tonight, you come to this place of a true understanding of Christmas. You come to a true understanding that God came to the least, God came to the lowly, God came to the humble and did for them what they could not do. Lived a perfect life, took man's sin upon himself, took the judgment on the cross for that sin, basically became our substitute, took our place. And now, as the scripture says, we can have peace with God, we can have peace with man because God did what we could not do. And so tonight, I'm gonna pray, and while I'm praying, I would ask you to stick your hand in there. You just hold it in the air tonight. If you say, I I need to know Christ, I need a relationship, I recognize my need for a savior, I need him in my life. So I'm gonna pray, I'm asking you to respond tonight. If you would say, I need a savior, I need Jesus in my life. God, we thank you for tonight. And we thank you for your love. We thank you for a savior who came to us. God, we thank you for life and grace in him. Thank you that you came, God, not to those who have it all together, God, but those who don't. So Lord, I pray tonight that if there is someone who doesn't know you, that God, you would draw them to you. You would draw them to you, Lord. That you would awaken their hearts to the reality of who you are. That you would move them to take a step of faith and respond to that nudge, to your voice. That salvation would come to them today. So they simply receive the invitation that you've given them.